listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. It's great to see you, Katie. <laughs> it's great to see you as well. Let's just start there. Okay. You know, uh, you know something interesting about you. Me? Yes. Oh, what? You love the ocean. I do love the ocean. But you hate going in the ocean. I don't hate going in the ocean. Well, you hate going in the California ocean. I hate going in the Pacific Ocean. You hate okay. swimming in the ocean. You'll canoe. You'll, uh, or uh, kayak. Ki- ki- mm-hmm. What do you call it? Kayak. Kayak. Well, I always forget. I would canoe, but I just never have. We Canoeing have is what you do at like a lake, right? Usually. At, like summer camp. I mean, maybe people canoe in the ocean too, but I personally have not. I will kayak in the ocean. I will go in the boat paddle in the board. ocean. I will paddle board. Here's the thing. The Pacific Ocean is minutes away from being ice at any given moment, in my personal opinion. It's it true. Is freezing cold all the time it it often is very seaweedy Mm -hmm. so no offense although this is all very offensive but i don't like going in the pacific ocean to who i don't know the ocean oh my gosh get over it no (laughs) the pacific ocean is freezing yes this is true have you ever i mean i'm saying this rhetorically i know the answer is yes if one has ever been to florida even new jersey the ocean is warm it yeah. is warm. It's like bath water. You just dance on in, and it's great. Anyway, my point is, love the ocean, Pacific Ocean, too cold for me, like to look at it. Okay. You love the ocean. I do. However, I don't know if you love it as much as you should. Oh. Because the ocean, um, it, it has a little special secret what? floating around in its water. What is it? They are called diatoms. Oh my gosh, this is such a cute topic. <laughs> so, of course, you know a little bit about diatoms. Or you know you know about diatoms. I probably um, know more than the average Joe. Yes. But not more than the average Joe scientist. Correct. Now I want you to pick up a little more info and teach all of us about diatoms. I would love because to. Because I'll bet most people listening to this have at this point not even heard of a diatom before Mm. and uh by the end of this episode i think you're going to be very surprised that you haven't heard of one before yeah and i bet you'll be surprised that you're interacting with them more often than you think perhaps daily yeah yeah oh cool i'm so excited i guess we should say now up front um Part of the reason why we're so excited about this topic is my mom actually just uh, wrote and illustrated a children's book that's about diatoms, basically. It's a story of, like, a grandfather and and his grandkids, but it's about diatoms. It's called Jewels of the Sea, and her name is Betsy Francofini. Look it up. Order it online. Um, And so if you're into diatoms after this episode, or even before... Go ahead and check it out because it's a really fascinating book. But I think this will be really cool. Um, slightly deeper dive, although that book goes into it pretty in depth. Yeah, the, as well. the book gives a lot of information. Like I, I, I feel like I know a good bit about diatoms, but uh, I'd like to hear it from you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. All right, cool. Great topic. Awesome. fun when you study i just get to sit around eat candy read magazines (laughs) yeah what a life yeah 
it was pretty fun. Did you learn anything cool? I learned a ton of cool things. Now, to be fair, I did know a lot about diatoms because of my mom's book. Um, so a lot of it is going to be from her book slash things that I knew about her book from her book, but I looked into a little more in depth. That's great. What a great source. I saw you looking through it. Yeah, I was. So, first of all, I thought about this. Probably we should say, what the heck is a diatom, right? Yeah, that's that's why we're here. That's Obviously, your job. Obviously, it's related to the ocean because you started with that whole bit about the ocean. Mm-hmm. But um, probably a lot of people don't even know what a diatom is. So, let's start there. So, diatoms, big picture, are one of the largest and ecologically most significant groups of organisms on the Earth. Say it again. Do you really want me to? No, I guess not. Okay. <laughs> well, not now. But yeah, like that's really, that's yeah. a huge statement that right? you just said. I know. That's why I started with it because I thought, because I read that and I thought, wow, that is, that is impactful. So diatoms are single-celled algae. They're phytoplankton. I also saw them referred to as microalgae found in oceans, waterways, and soils of the world. So, like I said, they're single-celled, so diatoms are very small. This isn't something that you're going to scoop up a handful of water and take a look and say, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of diatoms in there. Like, there probably are a bunch of diatoms in there. But you cannot see them with your naked eye because they're very, very small. Um, How small are they, you ask? Yeah, I would like to know. Okay, so the biggest diatoms are about the width of a human hair. So, you mm-hmm. know, pretty small. Yeah, very. Hair, small. Uh, the smallest diatoms, over 200 of them could fit in the width of a human hair. So that's ridiculous, right? Like, that's smaller than we could really even conceptualize. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, 200 going across one human hair? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, of course, no, that's... that's- that's goofy, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're very, very small is the point. But that's why it's so cool, um, if you go back to that first statement I made, to think that they're so impactful, they're so important, they're one of the most significant groups of organisms on the Earth, and yet they're so tiny. It's just really cool to think about in that How way. is that possible? Well, I shall tell you over the next half hour. Um, so, like I said, diatoms, they're, they're single-celled, so they're just one little cell doing their thing Mm -hmm. they do um hook up in colonies or exist in long chains sometimes um for various reasons that i will get into in a little bit but um but they are just single-celled organisms uh like i said they can live in i think i said this maybe i didn't they can live in fresh water or salt water and then if there's even like a relatively moist soil they can live in that as well (laughs) okay so they're but they're mainly in the oceans just because the ocean is mainly what is covering the earth right yeah i mean the biggest bodies of water are oceans yeah so yes but but yeah they can they can be anywhere though which is cool yeah they can live in salt water they can live in fresh water they're very versatile these little dudes so um what i was saying before about them existing in chains or in colonies um I don't know that this is the only reason for that. I'm sure there's other reasons too. But diatoms uh, do photosynthesis, so they need sunlight. So they have to be oh, okay. close to the to the sunlight. So when they're in the ocean, they can't just be floating 
halfway down, you know, really, really far, they have to be near the surface where the sunlight hits. So when they form these long chains and things like that, that can help them to float and stay up near the surface. Yeah. Okay. I remember reading this Mm -hmm. in your mom's book and, or maybe your mom just told us this. Isn't it something where when they link up like that, that increases or sorry, increases their drag. So they, so they drift downward slower slow more slowly yes, yes. Exactly. so that it's yeah so they remain higher up closer to the sunlight longer yeah yeah that's Isn't so cool so cool i mean that's just evolution for you but it's crazy to think that these guys as amazing as they are they don't have brains they're not humans they're not like highly developed yet they develop all of these mechanisms to make them survive yeah it's just really really cool so now i'm going to read you something incredibly scientific because As I was reading about diatoms and I was writing, at one point I wrote diatoms are plants because they do photosynthesis. So that kind of just automatically came out of my fingers. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, I don't know if that's true. And then as I kept reading, that's not necessarily true. Diatoms are secondary endosymbionts, meaning that their precursor was a eukaryote that engulfed another eukaryote resulting in a quadruple membrane around the chloroplast the diatom gained from this act of piracy. This sounds like a monologue from Star Trek. I have no idea what you're saying. Yeah, so eukaryotes, I remembered this from like high school biology, but I also looked it up just to make sure. This means they have membrane-bound organelles. So this is like the mitochondria, the nucleus. So some cells that are not eukaryotes, they just, I guess, are like all jelly inside I, and then I, did, now would be a good time to mention i'm pretty sure i got a d in <laughs> biology so i don't know what this is well so these, i'm listening though these cells they have they have uh organs inside like we do you know they have bits of their cells that are dedicated to specific things and they're kind of blocked off to do that stuff okay so it's slightly more advanced than I don't remember the name of non-eukaryote cells, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the reason why I read that crazy sentence is diatoms have some interesting deal to them that that whole thing about how maybe their precursor engulfed this and engulfed that and that's why they have a quadruple membrane, There's they're still very... Um, mysterious to scientists even. Obviously, they're mysterious to me. (laughs) (laughs) But even to scientists, they're mysterious because they have all these incredible characteristics that don't normally come together. For example, um, they have a urea cycle, which is, I'm pretty sure means they like pee, like us. We have a urea cycle. But they also do photosynthesis, which is a plant thing. Do they drink? Do they... I don't know if they take. I guess they must take in water and expel yeah, it they definitely somehow. take in water. But um, they eat from photosynth. That's how plants eat is from photosynthesis. But but like I said, this one site that I saw called them plantimals. Like they are a combination. <laughs> so weird. I know. It's so yeah, it's really hard to like kind of comprehend this as you're going along because right? it just I don't know. It kind of defies everything that you think about. They're so unique. What a plant that, is or what an animal is. Yeah, they're so unique that I saw that scientists just kind of group them on their own. They yeah. are their own thing, which is pretty amazing. That is really crazy. What? Oh, about the plant-animal combo? That scientists group them on their own. Oh, What you oh, just said. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's really cool. So the word diatom mean, comes from two Greek words, 
uh, dia, which means through or apart, and then this root temno or something, that means cut. So it means cut in half. And at first I thought, why is it called that? Yeah. That's crazy. But then as I read, um, diatoms, all diatoms, as far as I could see, are made from two halves of this frustule. So I'll tell you what a frustule is. If you read about diatoms, sometimes it says they live in houses made of glass because they are the only organism on the planet with cell walls that are composed of transparent opaline silica. And they are ornamented, they've got intricate patterns, um, and they're dotted with uh, holes all throughout. Now this would be an excellent time to go to our Instagram yeah, I know. and see a photo because it's so hard. It's hard to explain. Like I'm going to try and explain it, but if you could see it, it's very, very helpful. That's what I'm trying to so picture So go to right our now. Instagram, 30 Minute Expert Podcast on Instagram, and we'll put some photos of it because basically um, all plants have cell walls that are um, rigid usually, mm-hmm. and that's how plants stand up and said they don't have a skeleton like us but they do have rigid cell walls so they can have a structure but the cell walls of these diatoms they're they're like glass they're beautiful they look sparkly they're colored and then they have all these tiny little holes dotted throughout so water and and all kinds of stuff can pass through them and they look like jewels they look like little pieces of glass or little sparkly things and that's why my mom's book is called jewels of the sea and i saw that all over the place including oh really on wikipedia no way <laughs> yes everyone oh, that's knows so cool. yes this is not something that you know is just one person said yeah. everyone calls them this because they're so pretty but okay so you said earlier uh that you were like this isn't the type of thing that you're gonna scoop up some water and look and be like oh you look at all the diatoms but you can in some instances in some instances see diatoms with the naked eye in the water right at least in in the form of like their little reflection or sparkling yeah, I like think they are visible in that way you in the right conditions them, correct yeah you can see them in the sense that maybe if the water looks sparkly that that could be diatoms you're not seeing a diatom in that sense but you're seeing yeah the the effect of diatoms yeah yeah mm-hmm. but i mean something as wide as a human hair like the ones on the larger end of the spectrum you, you could, see, you could see that yeah yeah maybe you could my yeah. eyes aren't that good so i don't know if i could but maybe someone <laughs> else could um but yeah so like i said these the cell wall this rigid um made of silica cell wall it's always comes in two halves and i saw at one place it said it fits together like a petri dish so that i okay. i'm pretty positive that's where this whole cut in half uh name comes from okay diatoms come in two distinct shapes so there's lots and lots of different diatoms but pretty much all of them can be categorized as either radially symmetrical or bilaterally symmetrical so radially would be like it's a circle round and right it's round and, and it's symmetrical all over the place bilaterally symmetrical is like we as humans are bilaterally like if you cut us down the middle we equal on either side so diatoms pretty much come in those two forms but as you'll see if you look at photos they 
there's all kinds of diatoms. They look all kinds of different crazy ways. Um, yeah, they're and really cool. Y- you have to look at the photos. Go to, I don't think yes. you say this enough, our Instagram page. What's it called again? I said it, 30 Minute Expert Podcast. Okay. And 30 the 30 is expert, a three zero. Yeah, three zero Minute Expert Podcast on Instagram. And we post photos from every single show. And uh, yes, I think uh, probably more so than any other episode, this one really. If you're hearing about these things and you've never heard of them and you don't know what they are, you really need to see photos of them because they, they're they really, really cool looking. Yeah. And, I mean, this description, obviously, Katie's doing her best and it's she's, you know, describing them accurately. But still, if you haven't seen a picture of them, you don't – you can't fully, like, grasp what it is that she's describing. For sure. And they, to me – they're very unique, yeah. Especially in terms of a natural organism, because they look more like I don't even know, but something man made. Yeah, than... they are. They're snowflake esque in that way, yeah, where when you honestly, see the, you know under a microscope, you're like, how does this just naturally form that way? Yeah, it's I actually... too symmetrical. It's like, how does that? And you know, it's just, it's just weird. And yeah, intricate. I saw. I read at one point that. Um, nanotechnologists are jealous of diatoms because they can never, I mean, not never, but at least at this point in time, they can't, they could never make something that intricate and that detailed on that scale and diatoms do it effortlessly. Yeah, that's crazy. Speaking of effortlessly, I was just about to say they reproduce, this is so crazy and I don't understand it well enough to really explain it to you, but they reproduce asexually by fission. So they just split, you know, the way that yeah. we think of little one-celled organisms, they split. Uh, usually they do it about once every 24 hours, but that can vary. Sometimes Sometimes it's a lot more slow. And especially if the um, – they'll reproduce more quickly if they have all the nutrients they need and, you know, everything's going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also can reproduce sexually. Sometimes there's, like, male ones – and female ones and the craziest thing and this again goes to that whole putting them in their own category so when they reproduce just by by splitting the normal way that we think of they get smaller every time because of this whole rigid cell wall situation like basically the way i was reading because the cell wall is so rigid when they split they just they just naturally kind of get a tiny bit smaller every time But then, every once in a while, a cycle comes around where they form this new kind of cell that has flexible silica, and then that will start over a new cycle. Like, it's insane. It just is insane, and it sounds like it's the kind of thing that no one else is doing this yeah this is all an anomaly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's really wild. It's so weird. Okay, but... So you're saying how when they split, they often get smaller. Is that not true of other things that split in that well, way? Well, I, I would think, think the like thing you is have to, right? you get smaller, but then they can grow. They okay. can grow back to a normal size, but because they are inside this strict this structure, they can't just grow because they're withheld in there. I see. Right? Yeah. Makes sense? Okay. So like I said before, they uh, they do photosynthesis. So if we recall from our biology class, which Zach apparently slept through, so I will remind you, uh, photosynthesis is the process by which plants on Earth use energy from sunlight to make food for themselves from carbon dioxide and water. So this is why life on Earth works so well, because we as humans and other animals 
breathe in air and we use the oxygen from the air and turn it into carbon dioxide when we breathe it out. So we need oxygen to live and we expel carbon dioxide. Plants, on the other hand, take in carbon dioxide and use it combined with water to make food and then expel oxygen. That's why they make such great roommates. Yes, exactly. They're great. We love plants. <laughs> but so so diatoms do this process. And so I saw varying numbers, right? As we learn, if you're looking into something and there's some kind of percentage happening, it's going to be different everywhere. But I'm going to tell you the big one I saw first, okay. and then we'll go to like some of the others that yeah, I saw. Yeah, wow us, and then we'll reel it one in One of the first numbers I saw said, did you know that diatoms produce 50% of the oxygen in the air yeah, that see, we breathe? Yeah, that's insane. I'm pretty sure I've heard that as well. But the thing is, I didn't just see that in one place, and then I saw in some others that it varied, like it could be as low as like 20%, 25%. Still, as low as 20% is insane right exactly of all of the trees on earth that like i mean you would think how could anything compete with trees how could anything right. be like exactly that's insane i saw in several places that diatoms create as much oxygen as all of the rainforests on earth combined be right unbelievable right yeah wild yeah and we don't even know about hardly like, hard to believe right. to the point where i'm not sure if i believe it <laughs> <laughs> no it's true i'm telling you i'm skeptical <laughs> no stop stop being skeptical <laughs> open your mind uh yeah crazy right yes it's so cool it's so and and you know maybe you didn't know about diatoms maybe you didn't care about them maybe you think you still don't care about them well, they let you breathe the air, so maybe start caring about them, mm. right? I wonder how much oxygen is in the air, like just normally. Like, I wonder if you were in the middle of the ocean. Let's say there were no diatoms. Would it be like, would there be less oxygen in the middle of the ocean, you think? I don't know. Things disperse pretty well. Also, there's other plants and things in the ocean. Yeah, I guess that's true, but I mean, not much. I'm actually going to talk about wind later and... And oh good wind is i was hoping you get to there's wind. so much wind in the world that maybe it would disperse anyway so like i i wrote down for myself diatoms aren't just pretty they give us basically all the air we breathe and also well, that's generous basically yeah all the no air. that's true that's very <laughs> generous um but they also can tell us about the health of water systems so scientists can take samples of diatoms. We actually, remember, we saw on that Zoom a scientist talk about it. We didn't see her collect the sample because yeah. she was in the lab. But she showed us, like, the test The little tubes. thing that you, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so scientists can collect samples of diatoms and study the diatoms themselves to determine how healthy the water is. Sometimes you can see just using your naked eye if there's a big, they'll call it an algae bloom, there's like way too many diatoms. You can you can see it. Oh, an algae bloom is way too many diatoms? Yeah, an algae bloom. Oh, can... I would have guessed that that was the absence of them. No, that's not what this said. I believe you. I'm just, yeah. Just but not, yeah, but so I'm you wrong. can tell from that, from that that the water's not right. But also, even if it's not that obvious, you can study the diatoms themselves and see how the water is doing, essentially. Uh, another important thing to know about diatoms, so I think I said they're phytoplankton. Uh, diatoms are basically the base of the food chain in the ocean. They are eaten by zooplankton which are like the animal type plankton and 
then little tiny fish eat zooplankton, then a bigger fish eats that fish, then a bigger fish eats that fish, then a whale eats that fish, and there we go. So And then you eat the whale. And then I eat the whale. Exactly. You love I whale. am the top of the food chain and I love whale. <laughs> Everyone knows that about me. But so they are the base of the food chain, so Obviously, it's super important that they are existing and alive. Yes. Because as we know, if you lose the bottom of the food chain, that affects the whole thing all the way up. You know, we always have to have a bit of a downer often in these episodes when something, because we're real, we're studying everything. <laughs> so the downer we here must get bummed out. is a downer that is a downer for many things nowadays is climate change. Wah, wah. So... Climate change can I, I be... I always say change is a good thing. <laughs> yes. So let's okay, let's hear about it. Great. So climate change, we're still not... Pot, as far as I could see, scientists are still studying how climate change is affecting diatoms. They're not sure of the long-term effects that it will have. But it's very important to be keeping an eye on this, essentially, right? Yeah. Because... As we just said, diatoms give us anywhere from 20 to 50% of the oxygen in the world. Yeah, whatever it is, a huge portion. Right, if something were to happen to them, that would be detrimental for us as humans. And one of the things I saw that could be a concern is even if diatoms got a little smaller, let's say they just, as an effect of the water being warmer, they get a little bit smaller. Think about, extrapolate that out that could be a significant amount of less oxygen for us. Even if there were the same amount of diatoms, but they were just a little smaller. Yeah, even if it's like, oh, we haven't lost a single diatom. They just all shrunk 10%. Right. That equates to 10% less exactly. oxygen being put out. Yeah, that's, that's a big massive, difference. Massive, massive impact. So it's very important that, you know, obviously it's important, as we know, to be doing what we can to, to reverse the effects of climate change. But even in the meantime, to, to listen to the scientists... Um, who are studying this to see what we need to look out for, basically, Mm -hmm. in the years coming. Now we're going to move on to, I hope I did a good job of expressing how important diatoms are as they're alive, right? Yeah, I think so. They make the the air. Say no more with the oxygen, yeah, up to 50%. Great. That gets the point across. Yeah, exactly. So they're very, very cool when they're alive. But diatoms are also very, very cool after they die. So I don't know if I said this earlier, but a diatom, an average lifespan I saw was like six days. Oh, so, really? Yeah, it's pretty Oh, I didn't short, know that. But, you know, this was a little single cell. Yeah. Some flies only live like 24 hours. And they can re- re- reproduce sexually within that six-day period? I guess. That ain't right. <laughs> so um, when the diatoms die, they... R.I.P. They die, but they're hard silica outer skeleton nothing happens to it it's called rigor mortis (laughs) it just sinks to the bottom of the ocean because it still is there it doesn't like decompose right away or anything like that their soul's gone though the soul goes to heaven um, obviously (laughs) all diatoms go to heaven everyone knows that but then the silica-based shell sinks to the bottom of the of the water whatever wherever it is and accumulates sediment, and over time, it can become diatomaceous earth, which maybe you've heard of. I know you've heard of, but right. maybe other people have heard of as well. So diatomaceous earth is the accumulation of all these diatoms. Diatomaceous 
way to say it's made of a bunch of diatoms, yeah, I get it. right? Okay. Uh, what and I, I like I've heard of diatomaceous earth. I know of some of its uses, but what exactly is it? Meaning, what exactly is it used for? It's used like, for a ton of different things. First of all, scientists can study it. And they can take a core sample and study what the climate was like even millions of years ago. Because they'll look at the layers of the diatomaceous earth. And, I mean, I saw a photo of it. And Mm -hmm. the layers look different. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know exactly what it would mean. I'm not a scientist. But they can look at that and, and tell, you know, get information on what the climate was like literally millions of years ago. Which is pretty insane. But so diatomaceous earth is used for a a ton of different things. I saw that it can be as much as a half a mile deep in certain spots. That would be a half mile of of dead diatoms, essentially. That's insane. So what are they... Because diatomaceous earth is... I don't think you've said this yet. It's like a product. You can go to Home Depot and buy a bag of diatomaceous Mm -hmm. earth. It's It's a fine dry powder yes what do they like scoop it out and lay it out and dry it how does it become commercially available in the way that it is i didn't look at that but i would assume so because yeah it's obviously it's wet all the time yeah it's at well that's not actually true but but i think most of the diatomaceous earth i saw that the first kind of discovery of it was in germany and it was in this and it they were definitely collecting it from being wet so, and but I guess if you had like a dried out lake bed or something like well, that. Well, that's what I was just going to say is a lot of, not maybe not a lot, but there are places, some ancient diatomace, diatomaceous earth deposits were once seafloor or lake bed that are totally dry today. Maybe that's where they get the stuff that they sell today. Maybe. I wouldn't, I'm sure I mean, there's I'd enough of those places on earth that... I really don't know. I shouldn't speak to it because I didn't look it Not up. Not very important, but yeah. So di- what is it used for, right? Diatomaceous earth is used as a filtration aid. So you can use it to, as like a, a filter of water and other liquids. It's a mild abrasive in, polish- in products like metal polishes and also toothpaste. If you look at your oh. toothpaste... There's almost always diatomaceous earth in it. And it's just, you know, like whitening to, and it's just not like gonna, a little polish kind exactly. of. Yeah. It's not going to rub your teeth away to nothing. Yeah. But it'll just kind of polish them for you. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. It's used in cat litter. It's used as an insecticide. It's also used as an activator in blood clotting, which is the guy who inspired the book that my mom wrote um he was a scientist and that's where yeah a lot of his yeah the, it clots blood yes. really well right mm-hmm. yeah so you can use he i think invented um like patches or yeah something. like patches so if there are wounds this this will help clot the blood and you so know, weird save your life i know right it's crazy it can also be used as soil for some potted plants and trees like a bonsai tree really <laughs> yeah I know, right? Wow. Pretty crazy. So there's tons of practical uses like that for diatomaceous earth. Some of the high-profile uses, it was used in the building of the dome of the Hagia Sophia Church in Constantinople, which is now Istanbul in Turkey. I've never heard of that, but I am impressed. You've never heard of it? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, wow. Maybe I've seen it. Okay, we'll have to put a photo of that, too, because, yeah, I'm sure you've seen I mean, it's like one of, you know, an incredible monument like any the 
Parthenon. It's like yeah. up there with all that. And it also was used in building the pyramids. I know. That's so wild. I that's in the up. book. But yeah, yeah, that is in the book. But I looked it up and apparently... Yeah, what are the details? Apparently the ancient Egyptians were casting stones as they built. So this kind of is part of the mystery of how they built the pyramids. And this one Casting article that stones? I read yeah they were they could cast limestone like on site kind of and that that kind of explained some of how they could build it because they weren't transporting it a million million miles they could cast them and and it's like cement almost and they used diatomaceous earth was was an ingredient in the in the limestone blocks what the heck that's I know. so weird right yeah. crazy so very cool it also is used in ancient vases and I was going to say ceramics. I don't know if literally it could be used in ceramics, but things like that. Pottery. Yes, pottery. That's the word I'm looking for. To make light, you know, it's a light building yeah. material. Yeah, and again, that. these are just dead diatom skeletons, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know but that's they're... not literally what they are. They're not a skeleton, but... Well, they kind of are. They're basically the shells of dead diatoms that are used for all of these things. That's Right. Yeah, this is so cool. It's incredible. Probably the most high-profile use of diatomaceous earth more was, high profile than the pyramids? Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what you're going to say. Is in 1866, Alfred Nobel discovered that nitroglycerin could be made much more stable if it was absorbed in diatomite, which is... Dynamite? Yes. Whoa. Dynamite. That's dynamite. Alfred Nobel made dynamite. That's and he crazy. made it using diatomaceous earth. Isn't that crazy? Uh, well, I don't think I. That's not in the book, right? Uh, I don't think I know it that. It might be. I don't know. I actually just heard about this the other day for some reason that Alfred Nobel invented dynamite, and that I hope this is true. I feel like I read it in one of my law books for some reason, but I don't know why I would have. That he, a newspaper misprinted. His brother died. Nobel's brother died, mm-hmm. and the newspaper for some reason thought that alfred nobel died and they printed an obituary for him and basically it was super scathing and it was saying he invented dynamite and like killed all these people and he's a horrible person and he read that and thought oh shoot i'm gonna this is my legacy i'm this is terrible and so he turned it around and now he's the name of the nobel peace prize that's crazy wow i never heard that i've heard that he invented dynamite i did Mm -hmm. know that but not that second part about that's what a weird i don't know very few people would ever experience that what it's like when they're dead him and ebenezer scrooge that's it (laughs) exactly that's crazy yeah it's really cool right so he changed his life after that and started to like yeah i guess i mean put his efforts into more peaceful endeavors he didn't cut dynamite out of the world we still got it yeah and also like he didn't invent it as a weapon i don't think right i I mean it's very very useful yes yeah, yeah yeah but also, well, yeah. I don't know, has dynamite killed that many people, like, on purpose? I, don't I mean, it's know. not like he invented well, this newspaper a rifle or something. certainly thought that it did. I guess so. so. Hey, everyone's got their opinion. Exactly. So that's pretty much, pretty much everything I got, except for the one last thing that just blew my mind out of control. So I couldn't wait to tell you and everyone about it. Okay. So, as we talked about earlier, some diatomaceous earth is found on dry land because it's dry seabed or lakes something like that right Mm -hmm. so did you know that 
the Sahara Desert used to be a land of huge lakes. No, I did not know that. It was a ton of lakes. I did not know that. That's what the Sahara Desert was (laughs) about 7,000 years ago. Ton of lakes. Okay, great. The biggest lake was a mega lake called Chad, which there's a country called Chad. I wonder if it's in the same spot. I don't know. Uh, and that it would was, make sense. It was bigger than all of our Great Lakes combined. So this is a big wow. lake, this Chad. Now, Chad is dry, and it left behind this massive area that I think, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, called the Beaudelet Depression, uh, that is referred to now as the dustiest place on Earth. Ooh. So it... Wait, and is this in Chad? I don't know if it's okay. in Chad, for sure. But we could know this. We could look yeah, it up, for yeah, sure. Okay. Yes, this depression is seems very yeah. well known. Everyone knows about it, except us, apparently. Everyone knows about it. They just don't know where it is. <laughs> so this mega lake was home to huge numbers of diatoms. So after the diatoms died, they sunk to the floor and formed diatomaceous earth. Now it's all this dry area, uh-huh. right? Big dust bowl. So this dust is full of phosphorus from centuries of dead diatoms sinking to the bottom so every year wind blows from the mountains of the saharan african desert now and carries this dust high into the sky it blows across the ocean to south america and serves as the main fertilizer of the Amazon Basin. What? Like, isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? Like, so basically you're saying the reason there is a rainforest, like like the reason that rainforest sprouted up and grew and is so lush is because of this airborne fertilizer from I mean, I guess I don't know away. for sure that that was the start of it. But, it but I mean, there's certainly... not a rainforest everywhere on Earth. Right, but I mean, it's there true. is apparently where this fertilizer just rains down from the sky. It most certainly is fertilizing it. It blow, and can you imagine that it blows across the whole Atlantic Ocean? That is insane. And gets to South America and fertilizes it. It's insane. I saw that. I read. Let's see. So it the wind picks up an average of 182 million tons of dust each year. And by the time oh it gets God, to the... Oh, God, how's there any left? But I, that's what I mean. It's a lot of dust over there. And by the time it gets across, like 132 million tons remain. That's enough to fill over 100,000 semi-trucks. Oh, my full God. Full of this dust. And then it dumps it over there. And it's super important it fertilizes the whole area yeah my mind is being blown as well isn't that yeah incredible? this is really really crazy times like this like this whole diatom situation and what i just told you it doesn't it make you feel like the earth is so incredible yeah it's amazing it's pretty perfect yeah it really is cool. this is nuts wow right is that everything that's everything that was a great episode thank you i hope it was interesting because it was definitely pretty sciencey and some of it you could tell like i don't understand how these reproduce and some of this other things but i hope i gave a good overview of it and definitely i think this is going to be an introduction to diatoms for most people so it's like yeah you you do what you can at the beginning with the science part but once you get into 
what they provide for yeah. us. Like, how could you not be impressed? And truly, like, don't sleep on these photos. Please go look up photos of Dying Times. Look on our Instagram, or if you hate our At Instagram. Three Zero Minute Expert Podcast? <laughs> yes. yes. And if you don't want to, look them up on your own. Like, they're so cool, and it really, inca- like, you'll, I feel like you'll get a lot more out of everything I just said if you can see what they look like because they're really really cool so go look them up we're gonna post cool photos exactly very very cool photos very cool okay thanks for listening follow us on Instagram at 30 minute expert podcast where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today and send us suggestions for future episodes also if you're a real life expert on one of the topics we covered write to us and let us know what we missed you can email us at 30 minute expert podcast that's 30 minute expert podcast at gmail.com if it's something especially interesting maybe we'll read it on the show if you're enjoying the podcast please subscribe and if you're really enjoying it write a review thanks so much for listening we really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.